The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. someone you know has a child with autism in their family, answers and support can be hard to come by. Welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio. We will offer practical information for parents of children of all ages, as well as explore treatment topics and recent research related to autism. Now, here is this week's host. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Rob Haupt. Uh, I'm the Vice President of Business Development at Autism Spectrum Therapies. Uh, as many of you out there know, we are uh, a national provider providing uh, services to individuals with autism and developmental disabilities uh, across the country, including ABA, OT, speech, um, and really supporting families in this tough insurance landscape that we're all trying to figure out and work through. Um, you know, Generally, I, I try and start off every show Talking about some experiences, I, I, I really am always motivated and touched by the different families and professionals and colleagues I come into contact with. And obviously this last week was, uh, I think, a tough week for all of us. And in addition to just the emotional events of Friday, I, my, my own family was, was also touched with a, a great deal of loss. And um, I saw the, the anguish and and just the pain for, for people who were really close to me. And it was, it was funny. It's as I was trying to figure out what, what the right thing to do was and, and what to say in a time when I really didn't know what to say, I, I, actually, I actually went back to our, our old show. Um, and I actually thought a lot about our dialogue about grieving and grief. And I found myself really thinking about those conversations of, being a good friend and how to be a good person and how to how to support the people around me because I think no matter who you are I, I don't know anyone who wasn't affected by by recent events and and by the recent tragedy and I really just I really clung to that conversation and it's whether it be having a good story or being a good ear or or really taking the time to include someone that maybe I wouldn't have necessarily thought to be included or, or I wouldn't have thought to include. And I just came coming back to those concepts of how can I be a good friend? How can I be a good brother? How can I be a good son? How can I be a good husband and, and support the people around me in a way that would really uh, be lasting and important for for the people I care about. Um, so it was just, it was nice to know that we did that show and, and could have this dialogue 
and that other people ho- could listen to it as well. And, and I hope that there's others out there who, who listen to that show and, and got that type of support or, or that guidance or that inspiration because I, I certainly got it and I really felt like it made a difference in helping me get through some very difficult days this, this past weekend. Um, on to today's show. We we have a guest today and we're going to go on to a, a familiar topic for, for our listeners and, and really think about the teenage years. Um, I know last week we had a great dialogue with, with Steve Miller and I know Steve and I went back and forth really looking at the future and what kind of future is out there for our kids. Um, we both, Steve and I, have a lot of history and and currently work with individuals in their teenage years. But I think it's really important, as we've talked about on previous shows, to know what's out there, even for our little ones. Um, that idea of planning for the future and and building a plan, not something that has to be etched in stone. This is what we must do and stick to it. But have a general roadmap of what to expect and what to look for. Because I really believe that even in terms of early intervention, knowing what out what else is out there in the future really helps you create a good program today. So my guest today is someone who is actively out there really working on teaching teenagers skills, building programs for teenagers to live the most fulfilling lives possible. And I think that's what our whole community is really committed to. So my guest today is uh, Dr. Christina Whalen. And uh, Dr. Whalen is a licensed psychologist and board-certified behavior analyst who specializes in autism and related disorders. She's currently the vice president and director of the Vocational and Life Skills Academy at the Southwest Autism Research and Resource Center, also commonly known as SARC. Dr. Whalen has developed and supervised home programs. She's educated and trained parents and teachers, consulted with school districts, taught college and graduate courses in psychology and education, as well as presenting on numerous professional conferences, participates in fundraising activities for a variety of autism organizations, and is published in several several professional scientific journals. She's the editor and the author of the book, Real Life, Real Progress and was a founder and chief science officer of Teachtown, a company that produces educational materials for individuals with autism and other special needs. And one cool tidbit for me uh, is that uh, Dr. Whalen is actually the first uh, AST alumni to, to be on the show. We've had, we've had uh, colleagues of mine who work here, but uh, Dr. Whalen's the first alum, which I'm hoping to uh, change in the coming year and have a lot more alums uh, come back and share what they've been doing. Um, but Dr. Wayland, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Um, you know, I, I feel like I got to start off with the obvious question, and and I'm always really fascinated and interested in how people start working with teens and adults because I don't think it's what people, or at least from my experience, it's not what people jump to right away. Um, a lot of so people I agree get with that completely. Um, so I started off in early intervention. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I was one of the first four people at AST and <laughs> working out of a living room before we had an office. Wow. And um, I spent a lot of years um, working with the younger ones. And um, as I started to sort of progress in my own career, 
um, I started to sort of look forward to see, you know, what is the future like for these, these children? And, um, and then I started to work a little bit more with some of the teenagers and some adults and um, started to realize that, you know, maybe some of the things that I was teaching in early intervention, um, maybe I could have done some things a little bit more differently. Um, and um, I started to get more and more interested in working with teenagers um, because of the fact that, number one, nobody else is doing it and somebody has to. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, they're really fantastic to work with. And, um, you know, they're going to be the adults in our community. And it's very important that we offer quality interventions just like we do with early intervention. And um, I felt like that wasn't happening enough in the field of ABA. And there are certainly a few people out there that are doing it and doing it well, um, but um, I didn't feel like there was enough. And so that was sort of my impetus for wanting to work more with the adolescents and adults. That's great. Yeah, I. It, it's funny, this conversation of why isn't there more for teens and adults has been coming up on our show a lot over these last right. few months. Right. And, you know, I think funding is certainly an issue. Um, there's just not as much funding available for adolescents, um, and certainly for adults, that's you know even even more difficult um, to get the funding that's needed. Um, uh-huh. But uh, a lot of states, even with the new insurance laws passing and all these wonderful things that are happening, uh, many insurance companies in many states cut off funding at age 16. And uh-huh. as we know, adolescence doesn't stop there, <laughs> and so you have these 17, 18, 19 year olds that you know have don't have funding for services. And so yeah. one of the nice things about SARC is um, we are a nonprofit. Um, we are able to get grants and, and don- donations and scholarships, and we're able to be creative and getting the funding that's needed so that we can serve all ages. And, and you know, that's actually a question I was going to ask you later on is, you know, how do families qualify for programs? Um, but it sounds like there's a lot of different options that SARC is able to go through to try and get the programs uh, that obviously we'll talk quite a bit about on this show to the public and to the kids who really need it. Yes. Yeah. And so, yeah, like I said, you know, we get grants um, and we have fun, you know, a couple of fundraising events every year. Um, you know, we have a big walk in October. Um, mm-hmm. We have a breakfast that we do in March or April um, and a lot of other different events. And um, all of that money goes into sort of filling whatever gaps are necessary uh, so if we're able to get uh, sufficient funding with insurance for early intervention, then mm-hmm. we will take money to use it for maybe um, some of the more underserved populations that uh, where funding is more difficult. Mm, that's fabulous. Well, yeah. we kind of we kind of went in reverse order, but that's okay because that's what I love <laughs> about this show and and the conversations we get into each week because we just kind of go where we we, we want to go. Right. Uh, but we're going to take a break because we have commercials that we're going to air. And then when we come back, we're going to talk to Dr. Whalen more about Sark and specifically about the program that she's overseeing there and all the great work that they're doing for teens and young adults. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. 
At AST, we are committed to supporting families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today to let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, creating futures for individuals with autism. Visit AutismTherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Rob Haupt, and I'm joined by Dr. Christina Whalen from SARC. I, I really want to talk about the, the programs, though, that you have at SARC. I know we talked about funding right before the break. Um, and, you know, I was hoping you could just give us kind of an overview of what what SARC's program is. And I know uh, a big component of it is the Community Works program. Yeah, so we have um, a lot of different programs. So for our adolescents, we have our Community Works program. Um, we're also going to be offering a social skills group with parent training um, starting in January. We have a life skills class for adolescents. Um, we also have, uh, for the transition years, we have um, life skills. We have uh, a garden works program and a culinary works program. And these programs are actually social enterprise programs where our clients are able to learn the skills of gardening and culinary works and actually um, employment skills so that they can be employed in these areas in the community. And we have been able to create products and services that we're able to sell into the community and get money back to support these programs. So it's a win-win kind of thing for everybody. And um, our culinary works program has actually led to us um, opening up our own coffee shop um, in Scottsdale called Beneficial Beans Cafe. Nice. And um, we're able to, uh, we have an adult there with autism who's employed, and mm-hmm. um, we're able to serve the community while um, still uh, raising money to support um, additional SARC services. So it's kind of a unique model that we do here. Um, and then we also offer, offer uh, fitness programs um, for our, our young adults. And then uh, for our um, other adults, we have a um, another more advanced life skills class. We offer employment classes. Mm-hmm. And we also offer employment services where we're able to train our clients and place them, get them placed in, in real jobs out in the community, and we support them, and then we fade ourselves out of that. And um, we have a very successful um, employment program, and uh, we are very uh, lucky that we are able to have such a supportive community to allow us to be able to have so many of our individuals employed out there in the community. Um, In addition to that, we also offer enrichment programs and clubs. So we have uh, video game clubs, bowling clubs, uh, girls club, uh, um, art programs, um, a theater program. So we work with the Phoenix Theater, and um, our teens are actually able to participate 
in um, an inclusive uh, theater program in the summer over there. Um, and we are starting to offer diagnostic uh, and counseling services um, in 2013. Wow. So you guys clearly offer so much, and and it's a very diverse package that's available. How do you, if, if let's say a, a teenager shows up or or comes to Sark, you know, how where do you start? Because uh, there's so much stuff there that uh, I think could benefit a lot of teens on the spectrum. Sure. Yeah. Well, we start, um, we do an intake and we run um, some standardized measures and things like that. Um, and then we sort of look at um, the interest. We actually have an interest survey of the teenagers to sort of see what types of things they might be interested in. That's great. Uh, so, for instance, if they were going to do community work, are they more interested in the library or are they more interested in fitness? Are they more interested in the garden? Um, and we give them some options for things that might you know, be a, a good fit for them. And does that then evolve into you've started maybe maybe gardening is something that is the interest. And does that then evolve into the next phase? Okay, you've done well in the garden club. Now we're moving on to more of a, a job training or supported work type of environment. What what would be that next step? Well, um, obviously there's, you know, a lot of uh, variety in the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But uh, we, um, we do transfer them into employment. Okay. Oh, excuse me. Um, we do transfer them into employment. And so um, not everybody goes necessarily directly from garden works into a full-time job. Mm. But um, we've had, um, you know, some people that, you know, they may start in garden works and find that it's not really gardening that they like, but they pick up on a lot of the, you know, employment skills that they need. Got and it. they may move into our culinary works program or they may move directly into our employment services. And so mm-hmm. all of the programs, um, even with our adolescent programs, are uh, set up with the thought process of we are trying to facilitate independence as much as possible in mm-hmm. every individual that comes through and that employment is the goal, right? So mm-hmm. everybody that walks through the door, you know, the goal is we want them to, you know, eventually to be employed. Yeah, that's fabulous. And, and yeah. how... Um, the, the question I had for you that just up oh, now I got it lost it for a second uh, <laughs> when, when they're in the program like the the gardening program or the culinary program um, are are the are the teens also earning paychecks as they work in these programs or is that something that comes upon, upon later on that comes on in later on okay. um, we do have um, for instance one of our uh, participants in our culinary works program. Mm-hmm. Uh, now runs a home uh, baking business that's uh, awesome. really successful. And uh, he actually provides the baked goods for our Beneficial Beans Cafe. Nice. And um, he also does baked goods for uh, different catering events in town and, and things uh-huh. like that. And um, this our culinary works program has actually led us to a new a program for adults where we're going to be teaching approximately 30 adults how to start a home baking business. So while all of them will wow. end up with a home baking business, they'll learn the entrepreneurial skills that they need for you know whatever kind of business they want to they want to have. Well, and I think that's what I love is like we talk about job skills, and I feel like I've done a lot of job skill type of training myself. But it's that the almost the business management, the entrepreneurial, or even just the, your own personal finances is right. such an important part of all of this that. We almost talk about second or third in the, in the process, but, you know, 
understanding, okay, what are my costs? What is my rent? And, and really starting with some of these concepts in the teenage years that are going to go such a far way down the road. Absolutely. And I think, too, you know, that, you know, one of the big issues that we find with our um, our teens and adults is, is depression and anxiety. And, and yeah. um, I think, you know, teaching them as young as possible, you know, what's really going to happen and mm-hmm. preparing them to set a path for themselves, I think, is really important. Um, we, you know, it's not uncommon to get someone who um, hasn't had a very realistic perspective on yes. what's available to them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so we try to, you know, really set that up as soon as they come through our doors. And um, we're actually going to be broadening our scope a bit in uh, 2013 to start bringing in tweens. Um, nice. Because we feel like, you know, that's really when you have to start working on the independence and the responsibility mm-hmm. and, and all of those skills that are prerequisites for successful employment. I'm so glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you when when do – do the teens or at what age does someone start this program? Um, because I know, again, a concept we've talked about is you really need to start younger than you think. You don't yeah, wait till absolutely. high school. And that's, what, that's been my reality check since I started this job is, yeah. well, we need to start younger. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I think, you know, but there also, there's also a maturity aspect. And so yeah. I think around age 10 or 11 years old, Mm-hmm. It's probably the time that we start, you know, we need to start teaching them that, you know, you need to do things for yourself. You have mm-hmm. responsibilities, um, you know, and these are the things that you need to be able to do on your own in order for you to be a successful adult. Yeah, that no, makes perfect sense. Uh, yeah. And I really like what you were saying about really setting up certain expectations for, for the individual up front, you know, getting them prepared for what's out there. Um, because they may have interests but not know that there's actually jobs or opportunities for those interests to really be a reality of what life could be like. Well, exactly. Uh, And, you know, how devastating is it to find out when you're 25 that you could have done all of these other things for the past 10 years to prepare yourself for what you really wanted to be doing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the idea is, okay, if you're really interested in computers, then, you know, you have to actually learn some skills. You know, to be able, you can't just, you know, sure. get on Google and do right. some searches. You need to learn some skills if you want to have a job in this field, and these are the skills that are needed, and this is how you get there. And I think that's uh, going to be really valuable to start teaching them when they're younger. Well, and I think all, of, yeah, I, I'm thinking back to this one, this one 16 year old I worked with who really had some aspirations for himself, but mm-hmm. when he sat down and figured out, what are, not just what are the prerequisites, but like, what's it really going to take for me to do this? And he realized, oh, I need to be in better physical health. So he right. started exercising a little bit. And for 16 years, I don't think he ever exercised once. And yeah. his mom wanted him to, but he then in, initiated this. I am motivated to achieve this goal. I need to be in a little bit better shape to handle right. this goal. So now I'm going to do this. Or wonderful, yeah. Yeah, we actually, you know, we have fitness programs here as well, and we think that you know, there's, um, it's really important to have obviously evidence-based, strong um, interventions in place, but quality of life is is also very important. So, they, they, Um, I think they tend to go hand in hand. Oftentimes, is that 
you know, the quality of life really impacts the effectiveness of a lot of these interventions. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think it'll be really interesting, interesting to see. We're, um, one of the things that we're really lucky to have here is we have a state-of-the-art research facility mm-hmm. right here on, on site. And so mm-hmm. we're able to look at some of our programs from a research perspective and, and nice. look at, you know, what characteristics of individuals might predict, you know, uh, who's going to be more successful in certain programs. And um, so those are some of the things that we're working on now. And I, that it, it'll be interesting to see if that's one of the variables. That's awesome. Yeah, that'll be really cool to see. Yeah. I, when you, I, I want to go to the, the work part of this for a second, because one of the things that I feel like I hear all the time is I've got a, I've got a, a child who wants to work. I want to help them with the skills. I think my child has prerequisite skills, but maybe there's not there's either a fear of an employer not wanting to hire or not wanting to give this child a chance or a reality that there's not employers out there who are feeling comfortable being this training site to really give this individual real hands-on experience. So what, how are you guys able to develop those types of relationships so that well, you have Well, I think it's sites. taken a very, very long time. And I, you know, I can't take credit for all of that since I'm fairly new to SARC. But, <laughs> right. Um, you know, I think initially it was building relationships with, you know, people that, um, that they knew in the community and that were willing to take that, that chance. Um, but over time, I think what has happened is that um, more and more people in the community are getting educated, um, certainly not enough, um, and that's a big initiative of SARC is wanting to um, educate the community more and more about autism and what the benefits are for them as an employer to have these individuals working there and the strengths that these individuals bring to the job setting. And um, we have... Uh, several employers who are extremely satisfied with um, the clients um, that they have uh, employed. And, um, you know, they'll go on and on and tell you about <laughs> what good employees they are. They're, you know, they're on time. Once they learn their job, they do it the same every time. You know, they get along with the team. Um, you know, so we, we've had some very positive stories come out of our uh, employment program, but we certainly would like to bring in some new types of employers. You know, mm-hmm. we have a lot of restaurants and we have a lot of retail and we have a lot of things like that and, and it's all wonderful, but we're very interested in sort of branching out into some other other types of jobs as well. Um, I want to talk more about some a few of the things you just said. You know, I, w- I actually want to talk a little bit more about like some of the benefits that the employers are gaining from this um, as well as some of these other types of jobs that um, that you see as maybe the next uh, types of jobs. Um, but we do have a commercial. So I want to take this commercial break and then jump back into more conversation with Dr. Whalen about the different job opportunities and seeing things that she's seeing at Sark. We'll be right back. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health and Wellness. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. 
At AST, we are committed to supporting families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today to let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, creating futures for individuals with autism. Visit AutismTherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. Uh, I'm joined by Dr. Christina Whalen, and we're talking about the employment programs and the uh, adult transition programs at SARC and, and some of the things that she's experienced uh working over there and, and with their amazing program. Um, right before the break, uh, Dr. Whalen, you were talking about the the benefits for the employers. And I think that's something that we don't always think about. You know, we think a lot of times about the benefits for our kids, but the the employers that are, are bringing our kids in and giving them these opportunities um, are really benefiting a lot. And And I've heard a lot of from some of them, in my past experience, some real praise for what's going on. Um, but I was hoping you could expand on that and, and share with our audience you know, what some of those benefits have been and some of the feedback you've gotten from the employers. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think that, you know, the same um, – I was just reading an article recently. I don't know if you've read it uh, from uh, Jill Locke, uh, Aaron Rothersen Fuller, and Connie Cassery on mm-hmm. the social impact of being a typical peer model. Mm-hmm. And um, while that one is with younger children, um, I think it's just something that is really interesting for people to think about is sort of not only how um, people in the community are affecting our individuals on the spectrum, but how our individuals on the spectrum are affecting people in the community. And mm-hmm. we see this, you know, across our programs, um, all the way from our inclusive preschool into our adult programs. And um, we find that the benefits for these teen volunteers that are participating is, is amazing. The benefits for the employers is amazing. And um, I was actually, um, I just met with a manager of AMC Movie Theaters yesterday. Nice. And he has two clients of ours that he has working at his theater. And he is very enthusiastic and very interested in hiring even more people on the spectrum. Wow. Um, he says that they're very reliable employees. He mm-hmm. said that, you know, they are very um, predictable um, mm-hmm. in terms of, uh, you don't have to sort of wonder what they're up to. Um, they come in and they do their job. And he said, you know, in the movie theater, um, he, you know, there's people, there might be somebody working in theater five and there's somebody else working in theater 12. And, the, you know, it can get a little crazy trying to manage a big staff. And he said he never has to worry about, you know, the individuals that he's hired that are on the spectrum, that he knows that they'll be busy and that they want to be there. And um, and it's also been really good for not only for um, our clients that are working there, but for the other employees at the theater. 
um, having these individuals there has really, um, he thinks, really creates a positive atmosphere of teamwork. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with, if one of our clients is having difficulty, another staff person will jump in and help them out. And mm-hmm. um, he said it's, you know, really created a much more sort of supportive kind of climate. Um, and I think that that's really one of the, um, the things that people don't think about is how just bringing in one individual into an employment setting can, can change the entire culture. You know, I, th- that's the thing I'm most curious about. And I, and I feel like I've wondered. I, I remember, you know, I used to work in um, a small town in Massachusetts um, doing some some job coaching and vocational training. And, you know, when I was a lot younger, I, I felt like I'm in this small town with this really supportive community, but this idea maybe wouldn't work as well in a larger city. I mean, I'm in Los Angeles, and it's it's very different than living in uh, Marlboro, Massachusetts. Um, <laughs> and, and I thought maybe it was the community that allowed this program to happen. But in talking to people like yourself and hearing stories from from individuals who are in these jobs, working them, both the individuals on the spectrum, the individual who's maybe the coach or just their coworker, it really feels like it's not about the community embracing the individual. It's the individual is really opening up a lot of doors and breaking down a lot of barriers to teach and educate the community. So that coworker, you know, that coworker who's there to help, at the movie theater is going to be so much more understanding and helpful at the supermarket when this completely different person has their child maybe having a meltdown in line and it's going to have a whole new attitude and outlook on it. Or when a customer comes in and, and they may be on the spectrum and yeah. you know, having a much better understanding of where they're coming from. And so um, I think it just, you know, the, the, co- the colleagues that are working with our clients are learning so much also. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I just love the idea. I, I don't know. Maybe it's the, we, we talk, um, every week we're really talking a lot about community and it, it's kind of become the, the theme of the show each week here is the, the autism community and what we're building and how we're talking to one another. And obviously education is such a big part of it. And I think sometimes we put too much stock or put too much on we as parents or we as professionals educate, but it's our kids who are really doing the most education. These two guys at the movie theater are doing more to educate their little community around this theater than anything I could do or probably, you know, a parent could do because they're there living it with these other folks. And it's just, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that perspective I think, you know, if more of us sort of think of it that way is that it isn't just about us teaching them, but what they can teach us. Yeah. I think that is, um, it, it changes how you develop your programs. Mm-hmm. Are, are you finding that the, for example, like the, the manager at the AMC, he's having a positive experience and other type of other retail shops or other places are, are contacting you guys to say, hey, I've heard this has gone really well. Um, I, I'd be interested in being a part of this too. We are getting some of that, um, not as much as I would like. I think yeah. you know um, we obviously you know need need to do more outreach and educate more people about mm-hmm. what's going on. Um, one person in the state of Arizona that has done a remarkable job with this is a man um, named Matt McMahon. He owns the Outback Steakhouses here, 
Okay. And he uh, is very public about why you should hire these individuals and what a benefit it is to employers. And um, so what, you know, I think what's really needed in the community is more people like him speaking out about why they, why they should hire these individuals. Mm-hmm. Because for us to say it is one thing, but for a restaurant owner, a movie theater manager, somebody to say it, I think is much more impactful. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah. Um, I want to I go back, though, to another thought you had, and, and it's, I think it's a really uh, good thing to talk a little bit more about, is you, know, you mentioned there's some other types of employment opportunities you'd really like to see. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I was hoping you could expand on that, because I think it's good for all of us to think about, okay, what are these other options? Because I know I think right away, okay, supermarket, drugstore, um, I, Starbucks, but there is a lot of other options that maybe don't come to mind to people right away. Well, absolutely. Um, you know, I, when, um, when I was with Teach Town, we hired um, an individual on the spectrum mm-hmm. who did testing for us, software testing. Wow. And um, since then, um, I think a lot more people are doing that, and um, I can't remember uh, the name of the organization, but um, there's an organization that started... Um, an entire company of software testers, and they are all on the spectrum. Wow. And I think, like, that's an area that a lot of our clients are very interested in. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, um, I think if they had it their way, they'd all make video games. (laughs) But wouldn't we all, right? Right, yeah. Um, (laughs) But um, I think technology is definitely an area um, that I'm super excited about. And um, I think a lot of our clients are very excited about. And I'd like to see more job opportunities in in the world of technology. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's certainly one. (laughs) Um, and then, you know, a lot of our clients are very interested in animal care and, mm. um, you know, sort of looking at, and we do have, you know, some individuals employed at you know, Petco and PetSmart and that sort of yep. thing. Um, but I think it would be really interesting to see if there are some types of jobs for them um, that they could be, you know, working with, with animals. Nice. Yeah, that's that's a great idea. Um, yeah. You know, a few, a few months back, we actually had... Um, Dorothea Lerman on the show and she was sharing with us some, some introductory research she was doing mm-hmm. where she was working with some uh, young adults on the spectrum and they were running discrete trials and she was targeting the acquisition of the, uh, the young child who was getting the intervention and then also the individual on the spectrum who was running the intervention uh, tracking their fidelity of implementation uh-huh. And she found that the the small sample she had, I believe, it was about three or four individuals, if I if I recall, um, ran the the trials perfectly, and their yeah, acquisition rate was really high. For a right. lot of the reasons you've talked about, is that um, the routines, the consistency, yeah. um, and so I could see knowing you know a lot of the routines that come with um, animal training and care of animals, um, people who you know are vet assistance, um, I have to assume that there's some correlation to that where, again, there's procedures and you follow the procedure consistently, you're going to have good quality of care for this animal. Um, yeah. yeah. It would be a great thing for so many of our, our clients. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about technology and I can't have you on the show and not talk a little bit about technology, just knowing your your background with Teach Town and and knowing that technology is a big part of what um, of, of what you are passionate about. Um, 
do you see, you know, in addition to technology jobs, do you see technology um, and that I guess the technology available to us changing and better supporting the interventions that we've been talking about today? Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, from the youngest, you know, obviously teach tennis for, for younger children. Yeah. Um, but, um, into, into adulthood. Um, if you look at how reliant we are on our phones and mm-hmm. iPads and everything else, um, teaching those skills, um, to facilitate independence and fading ourselves out so that these individuals can be more independent community members. I think is huge. And, you know, prior to technology, that would have been very difficult to accomplish. And now there are lots of ways to be able to, you know, as a job coach, to be able to check in on a client and, you know, see how they're doing. Um, You can use videos on the iPad to, you know, facilitate faster acquisition of skills for for a new job. Um, So there's a lot of, a lot of ways that I think technology can be very, very helpful. And, um, you know, I'm very interested in developing some new applications myself. Um, but I think, you know, just the more that we can uh, use technology to help them sort of facilitate their own path, um, the better off they're going to be. So definitely think that technology has been a very positive um, impact on what we're able to do as interventionists. I think it's kind of, it's kind of strange to me in a way, but it's kind of, it's also kind of cool that, you know, the way we're talking about programming, like using the iPad, how it's something that we're really looking at it intervention-wise or programming-wise, but how many people do you see on the streets now or sitting at a coffee shop working on an iPad and you, you have no idea what you're working on or what they're working on? And so, you know, the social validity of all of this, to see an 18-year-old sitting at a coffee shop or standing off against a wall checking their iPad would seem perfectly natural and maybe that's the visual schedule or a self-management chart or it's just amazing this kind of change versus the old um you know the old pex books with the the oodles and oodles of velcro that we all relied on for so long right right yeah and you know our job coaches text their clients all the time um, really? And texting is such a normal, <laughs> you know, a normal thing. And it's a lot less intrusive than somebody sort of standing over your shoulder all the time. Yeah. Very cool. So, I mean, we well, certainly I, do on the site, tra- on the, you know, on site training, but um, right. whenever possible, we will pr- provide support remotely so that they can be more uh-huh. independent. Oh, and, uh, easier to fade out that presence so you truly have the independence that you strive for with, with each one of those, uh, each one of those teenagers and young adults. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Well, we've got one more break we're going to take before our final segment. So come back after this commercial break and we will get some finishing thoughts of next steps with Dr. Whalen. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we are committed to supporting families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today to let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. 
Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, creating futures for individuals with autism. Visit AutismTherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Rob Haupt, and I'm joined by Dr. Christina Whalen. Um, we've been talking a lot about the impact on the community and the impact on the individual. And uh, I was really curious if, if through this program and these programs at SARC, what the overall feedback has been from parents and if in particular there's been any struggles where they see their, their child becoming so independent that um, is that causing any increased anxiety for them or is it truly a oh my god I'm just so proud of my son or my daughter for making these strides oh I think it's both (laughs) I mean I I definitely think um, you know it can be very scary you know to have your child out there on their own and Mm -hmm. um, you know I think that's going to cause anxiety for any parent Mm-hmm. And, you know, particularly with our parents, you know, depending on, on their child, but we certainly do see that. And, um, you know, we, we try to educate and support the families through, through all of these programs too, to, you know, sort of teach them that, you know, this independence is really important for their happiness and that, you know, um, you don't have to do everything for them. And, mm-hmm. you know, we are, we're not going to throw them to the wolves. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, and I think people understand that. And most people are very, very happy. And um, I think definitely proud. I don't think there's any, um, any better moment than when a parent can see, you know, their child with autism, you know, working yeah. at the movie theater and greeting customers and, mm-hmm. and you know, um, having you know, doing what maybe they thought they wouldn't ever be able to do. And so I think it's both, <laughs> you know, but yeah. then they might feel fearful when they're on that bus at night coming home and, you know, um, but again, I think technology can help with that because you can text your mom and say, I'm on the bus, I'm okay, I'm on my way home, yeah. you know, and, and um, I think that's better than it would have been, you know, 20 years ago. You know, it, I, I know the the ABA research out there, we, we keep seeing you know, parent involvement is such a big part of best practices, yeah. um, promoting generalization, um, keeping that consistency across the day. Um, but what we're talking about, I think about it, it's somewhat isolated um, in that, you know, this person is going to work. This person is aiming for independence away from everyone. Um, and being that that's a little bit different, have you found kind of best practices for parents to be able to stay involved, to be able to support what's going on, even if, you know, they can't be there because, you know, a parent showing up to someone's job to observe for a while isn't maybe as uh, socially appropriate or, or as common as maybe observing at a school um, when someone's yeah, in the exactly classroom. Yeah, we really discourage that. 
Um, yeah. You know, we wouldn't, I mean, it, going to a school and observing a child, I mean, you can do yeah. whether or not your child is on the spectrum. Exactly. Um, you would never go observe your child at work. Right. And so, um, you know, we really, we really do discourage that. Um, and, and we haven't had any problems with it. Honestly. Oh, that's great. Um, so, I mean, the families have, you know, they kind of understand that it's important. It's a job and, yeah. you know, we don't, we don't want our clients to get in trouble with their bosses by having mm-hmm. mom hanging around. Um, and, you know, we, our philosophy with employment is that, you know, we, we expect our clients to be like any other employee and have the same responsibilities. They may work less hours. There mm-hmm. may be accommodations we need to make. But they need to learn that, you know, they have to be on time, they have to do their job, you know, that sort of thing, just like any other employee. And so the, the families understand that. That hasn't nice. been a problem. Yeah. That's great. But, you know, in was... our other programs, like, you know, in our Community Works program, um, we do customer satisfaction surveys and, and things like that. And we've gotten very good feedback, you know, from the parents, from the community sites, uh, where we do the intervention and also from the peers that volunteer in the program. So the parents, are they then able to see that feedback and kind of feel like they're still part of the, the, the team? Yeah. So what we do with the teens is we have, you know, several parent meetings. Um, so we have a couple of group meetings with the parents mm-hmm. and then we do, um, basically like a parent-teacher conference, <laughs> nice. even though it's not an education um, sure. model. And we sit down with them and we go over the, you know, the client's goals and what they've accomplished so far and what they could be doing at home to help them. Um, but again, we don't really want the parents there because the idea is for you know, our clients to interact with other teenagers mm-hmm. um, in a library or a garden or these different volunteer settings and, um, you know, the outcome is for them to be able to be more independent. Well, I, I, I feel like that dialogue could go a long way of helping shape expectations, whether it be a, wow, my child is doing so well, maybe I need to raise my expectations. This is taking a little bit longer. Let me think about what I can do to help support him differently. I was just curious about that dialogue because I know that that piece can be so important from that overall buy-in and support for any individual, um, right. not just you know, not just the kids that we're talking about. Right, um, right. Well, you know, uh, like I said, you know, it, it, we get again. There's a big range with the parents. We have you know parents that are very, very involved. You know, yeah. parents who you know are are not for whatever reason. Um, but um, in general, we've had really strong parent support. And, um, you know, we let them know what the goals are that we're working on, and we give them strategies to be able to work on those things at home. But when they're with their peers, you know, again, when you're 15, you don't want mm-hmm. mom kind of hovering, right? Right. So, so it's really important for, for us to be able to, like, kind of pull them away from that situation and let yeah. them interact with their friends. Well, so, And, we, you know, we just... Um, we're, we've got a study that we're writing up for publication right now. With um, We had 91 um, clients with ASD that participated and wow. about 65 peers. Okay. And, um, you know, we found that one of the big issues coming into the program was problem solving um, and mm. asking for help and, and, and that sort of thing. And I think a lot of that is because, you know, parents, you know, will often help their children more than they should. Mm-hmm. including me, by the way, <laughs> I'm terrible about that, <laughs> um, you know, but I mean, there is a tendency for all parents, I think, to want to help their children. 
And um, at some point, they have to be able to sort of problem solve more on their own. And mm-hmm. so one of the things that we target a lot in our community works program is teaching them how to how to problem solve without any nice. kind of parent or teacher assistance. So That's being able great. to rely on your peers and asking them for help and that sort of thing. That's fabulous. Well, yeah, we I mean, are. Yeah, if they need adult help, we have adults there. But you know, <laughs> the goal is to be able to, you know, go to your friend and be like, hey, what are we supposed to do next? Well, I really appreciate just all of your input. You know, we're actually, we're out of time. Um, I, I think I said to you during a break, the show just flies by before you know it. It's, <laughs> it's time to wrap up. Um, I do want to let everyone out there know, um, because I remember um, we've gotten questions about Sark's program in the past, and I want to make sure people know um, how to be able to find you guys and get into contact and get more information. Um, I, I, if folks out there want to get more information about uh, what Dr. Whalen's doing or about anything being done at Sark, uh, the website is www.autismcenter.org. Um, Sark is also on Facebook and can be uh, found at Facebook um, at Southwest Autism Research Resource Center, Sark, S-A-R-R-C. And I think you guys are also on, on Twitter at, um, at Sark underscore tweet. Um, other, other ways to contact you or, or Sark if families are interested, or did I hit all, all the big ones? I hit, yeah, you hit all the big ones. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Um, well, we are, we're just about out of time. Um, I just wanted to wish everyone out there uh, a happy holidays. Uh, we're actually going to be off for the next two weeks. Uh, no new shows. I don't think we're actually even going to uh, rebroadcast uh, because the next two Tuesdays fall on Christmas and New Year. Um, so I hope everyone has a great holiday. Uh, we will be back, though, uh, with a brand new show right after the new year. Um, I believe that will be January 7th. Um, really excited for the lineup we have in the coming year. Uh, I want to continue to bring experts in the field um, who are doing research, keep bringing out practitioners who are in there talking about their experiences, parent advocates. Um, But one thing I'm really excited to do is actually bring some individuals on the spectrum onto the show so they can talk about their own experiences and and really share with us um, some of their goals and some of their hopes. it's really amazing how many have actually contacted me asking to be part of the show and wanting to be on the show to be able to speak to all of you and, and share with you their story. Um, I, I was definitely not expecting that. So we will be back. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.